The best long-form journalism involves a lot of red ink, and the corrections, cuts, and revisions made by reporters, editors, or in this case, photographers, often go unseen by the public. Our job is to dissect their choices. We are The Markup. Yellowknife's 50th Street has many names, Strange Range, The Gold Range, or simply Range Street. The street's monikers pay tribute to the Gold Range Hotel, a famous Yukon Gold Rush-themed bar and establishment. Since 1956, it's been a coffee house, a bar, a strip club, and it has Yellowknife's first long-distance telephone booth. Mordecai Richler, the famous Montreal writer, used to hang out at the Gold Range whenever he visited Yellowknife. Barrange Street is also known for its visible homelessness, open drug use, and occasional bar fights. Lonely Planet's guidebook to Yellowknife went so far as to call it, quote, the Gaza Strip of Canada. The locals, however, see it a little differently. My name is Pat Kane. I'm a photojournalist living in Yellowknife, Northwest Territories. And uh, yeah, I kind of document life and culture in Canada's far north. So I cover... A uh, little bit of Alaska, Yukon, Northwest Territories, and Nunavut, mainly. Kane left Ontario for good 12 years ago. He was actually born in Sault Ste. Marie, went to Western University for English and Philosophy, and took journalism and photojournalism at Humber College. But a friend of his, back in 2005, landed a job in Yellowknife and suggested he visit. So Kane bought a car, packed it up, and drove all the way out to the Northwest Territories. He's been there ever since shooting forever on from National Geographic to Up Here magazine to the city of Yellowknife itself. Yellowknife is very much, you know, a, uh, a white Caucasian city. There's a lot of government. There's a lot of mining. Um, you know, there's also, it's also very multicultural. But outside of Yellowknife, it's very different. It's very indigenous. Um, and it's very, um, very small. There's, um, they're very tight-knit communities. They have their own culture. A lot of them um, speak their indigenous languages. In the communities outside of Yellowknife in particular, there's always a central, central meeting place. And so people just go there and hang out and catch up and, and see how people are doing. And it's very much like that on Rain Street. And yeah, so I kind of, it, it always interests me to go on that street because you'll, you always meet a character. There's, you know, everyone from elders to young kids to everyone in between. There's some social issues. There's also a lot of um, humor and love. Um, a lot of tourists will go there to go to the bar. Um, so it, it's a mishmash of a little bit of everyone kind of getting together. And it's really, it's unique from any other kind of down-and-out street that I've ever come across in any other city. And the Gold Range, for Pat anyways, is Range Street's focal point. Um, you go in, there's like a country band playing every night of the week. Um, people will go there. You know, I've walked in there and there's like 90-year-old eld women elders from a community like sitting there, having a beer, watching people two-step dance. It has a ton of charm and like it's very gritty, but also there's a lot of good music and laughter. And so a lot of people will go there because it's a novelty. So tourists are, anytime someone comes to town, I'm like, go to the Gold Range for sure. And they're like, oh my God, it looks super sketchy. I'm not going down that street. I'm like, just trust me, go in there. They'll walk in and I'll be like, oh my God, this is amazing. And it's just like a fun atmosphere. You know, sometimes it can get a little crazy. People definitely get rowdy and, 
every once in a while there might be a fight out on the street, but it's not too often that that happens. But um, yeah, it's very much like a place where you know you'll see the mayor or the premier or politicians or Japanese tourists or you know people just kind of coming in from other communities around the north and um it, it kind of has a lot of charm it's very unique a good example welder's daughter one of the house bands and they play like uh top 40 music but they look like they're straight out of 1981 like they have a woman on a keyboard named karen and a guy on a, on a bass guitar with a trench coat and long hair and a mustache, and they're playing like Eminem rap tunes, and it's like hilarious and awesome. And so, like that visual alone, it's like I said, you got to see it to kind of appreciate it. But that stuff is really stands out for me. So I mean, it's really the character of the and the history of the, the street and and the places on that street. Or, or why I wanted to document it. Kane's plans to shoot Ranch Street began to come together after a conversation with several friends of his from Artless Collective, a Yellowknife-based film company. He admits he didn't have anything concrete in mind besides wanting to do a photo gallery. Artless Collective at the time simply wanted to do a documentary of Range Street. So, starting in 2012, Kane and Artless Collective shot Range Street and its inhabitants for several hours a day. And together, they ran into a fundamental long-form question. It was funny when we were talking to the National Film Board, they're like, who's the main character? And we're like, oh my God, like everyone is the main character. The street is the character. <laughs> and everyone is like part of that whole thing. But I think like one person that really stuck with me was uh, this young girl, Lauren. She has um, a bit of uh, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. And she um, walks around town. She loves drinking Pepsi. She's super sweet. Um, she works part-time, I forget where, but um, somewhere in town. She also loves comedy. Um, and she kind of walks and talks um, with a little difficulty. But she's uh, a big part of Rain Street. She hangs out there. She actually introduced us to a lot of people that we didn't even know. That's her hangout spot. And she's like, you know, this is where I come to meet my friends. This is our community within the community. Kane's photo gallery on Rage Street is ongoing. He has about 100 stills total, a dozen of which are on his website. You can find them at www.patkanephoto.com. Just click on the Stories tab. They'll be under Range Street. You'll see an old man drooping over a convenience store's front steps, head bowed, a bronze-colored cane resting between his legs. A girl with jet black hair and fishnet sleeves cackles with laughter in another, head back, the cracked asphalt and parked cars of Range Street stretching out behind her. This particular photo is at the top of Kane's gallery. Her story isn't as sunny as Lauren's, yet Kane still manages to show her with dignity. It's her nickname, Shorty. She fell through the cracks and um, she was addicted um, to drugs and alcohol, I believe. And she ended up uh, passing away a few years ago, not long after I took that photo, I think maybe less than a year. And, and very sweet. And she was smart, too. She just wanted to get a job and uh, had political um, views on the world. And unfortunately, she passed away. That stuff happens, too, where um, addiction is a big issue with people who hang out on Main Street. And 
you know, I don't know if that is because of Rain Street or people come from the communities with addictions uh, and that's just where they hang out, but that also definitely happens. Rain Street is a complicated place. Telling its story properly for Kane meant building relationships with everyone he shot. This shows in the photos. Everyone's aware of the camera, something you don't tend to see in more traditional street photography. My approach isn't to be sneaky and to like snap a photo and put my camera away or to run away or anything like that. Like I, I talk to people for sure. And I, I talk to people probably, you know, 90% more than I photograph people. So I, I really try to engage. I really um, let them know that I'm there. Um, I, you know, I, I don't like that approach of, of kind of just shooting and running or letting them walk by. Or... Understanding and balancing the culture of Range Street's bars, the humanity of its inhabitants, and the very real poverty some of them face isn't easy. It's less so when journalists go for the sensational take. Jeffrey Devorkin, director of the University of Toronto Scarborough's journalism program, saw this happen a lot during his 12 years in TV news. It's almost like, you know, let's get something that's really powerful. Let's put something on the broadcast that's really strong. Let's put a, a photo of something grim on the front page. Um, and there is in my experience, it's not talked about very much, but my, I, I've just been in a couple of, in enough newsrooms to know that there is this uh, almost unspoken competitive desire to see how close to the edge you can get before someone says, no, we can't go that, can't go that far. But the consequences, in Dvorkin's view, extend far beyond the newsroom itself. I think that has become part of the problem, that power of, of important information is, is overwhelming people. And media organizations have to figure out a way in which they not just tell good news, so-called, but that they have to find some kind of balance because people don't live their lives with an unending supply of horrors and, and, and awful stuff. You still have to figure out a way of telling that contextually and with compassion, but that can't be your only um, offering to the public. And I think part of the problem is, is that newsrooms can sometimes have a kind of uh, macho uh, flavor. Proximity helps keep this at bay. Kane actually sees many of his subjects on a daily basis. Yellowknife may be the capital of the Northwest Territories, but it's small enough that journalists run into sources all the time. One of Kane's subjects delivers wood to his house. He sees Lauren fairly often whenever he steps onto Range Street. She and anyone else he photographs are more than just names written in his notebook. They are neighbors. Range Street was intended to be a physical photo gallery and a documentary. Unfortunately, a couple of months after Kane and Artless Collective began their work, the National Film Board put it on ice. It's remained there indefinitely for several years. Kane admitted when I first contacted him that he was debating whether or not to continue his project, but he still does shoot Range Street for his own collection and the website between his various freelance assignments. It kind of started and then it stopped and then I'll go out once in a while and I'll, I'll shoot for a couple hours. I'll either go in the nighttime or during the day or whatever. 
so it's one of those things that I'm always trying to work on, but I definitely want to give it a solid effort for sure before before it changes into an entirely new street. In short, Range Street is gentrifying. Yellowknife's municipal government recently bought up several businesses in the area, along with a vacant parking lot. It's currently unclear what the city plans to do with it all. There's been talk of installing parks or recreation facilities along Range Street, although the vacant parking lot, for the time being, remains vacant. There's been a drive to clean up Range Street. Kane's work doesn't mask its reputation, but he does try and humanize those who live on it, and one Range Street visitor in particular is glad for his efforts. Our producer, Abby Planner, spoke with a colleague of mine at the Toronto Star, Jesse Winter, about his time on Range Street. He went north in 2011 to work as the Yellowknifer's sports editor, reporter, and photographer. When I first arrived in Yellowknife, uh, one of the editors that I was working with, um, one of the news editors for the paper, uh, the first or second night we went out to a bar on Range Street, um, and we had a great time. There's this really awesome band called Welder's Daughter that plays at the Gold Range. And they're like such a huge staple in town, everybody knows them. Um, so we went to the bar and we had a great time. Um, and as we were leaving, my editor was like, oh, let me tell you the story about my first time at the, at the Gold Range. And he apparently got jumped leaving the bar, uh, got his two front teeth knocked out and just got like the crap beat out of him. And that was sort of his like welcome to Range Street. Um, and so there is definitely that like that, there's that perception of it, but, um, and you, so people hear stories like that and people like me tell stories like that. And I think that's how it contributes to having that reputation. But I think it's, it's not entirely true. Like that street, there's a lot of people that live on it. A lot of people that work on it, they're regulars and they project that Pat is doing, I think is really great at getting beyond that reputation. That's pretty stereotypical. Um, and like really getting to know the people who live there and, and work there. Um, as, as people beyond what uh, Lonely Planet once called the Gaza Strip of Canada. But in Winter's eyes, Southern news organizations don't make an effort to move past what they expect to see on Range Street, or the North in general, before publishing. It frustrated him and many of his Northern colleagues. I think the media, the local media, like the yellow, staff at the Yellowknifer and CBC North, and everyone who lives and works in, in Yellowknife, I think does a, a pretty good job of representing the whole city fairly well. Um, I mean, there are definitely some issues, and it's, it's a city that's got um, some pretty challenging issues, as a lot of cities in the North do. Um, I think what's particularly harmful, though, and you see this not just on Range Street, Range Street's a good example of it, but you see it across the North, when Southern media show up, and they don't really have the context. There, we, we would sit at the bar on a, a number of occasions and just bitch about how, like, oh, the Southern media just don't get it. And... I think that largely that's true. The Markup is a podcast from the Ryerson Review of Journalism. Produced bi-weekly by Erica Nagao, Abby Planner, Dylan Freeman-Grist, and narrated by myself, Brennan Doherty. The music used in this episode is Something Elated by Broke for Free. Thanks for listening.